Welcome to another episode of On the Highway. I'm your host, Megan Anderson, and each week we bring you an expert in the mortgage and real estate realm. You can learn how to navigate the housing and real estate highway to take your business to the next level. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's get driving. Today's guest is someone who truly understands the value of relevance and human connection in business. Long before he became known as Mr. Thank You, our guest's journey in sales and influence began in the gritty world of semi-professional skateboarding. While many were fighting for the spotlight, he focused on becoming indispensable to brands by aligning with their goals and fighting for their success. This approach not only landed him sponsorships, but laid the groundwork for his impressive sales career where he soared to become the number six rep out of 10,000 associates nationwide. Even during the devastating housing crisis, the relationships he nurtured stood the test of time, supporting his and the company's continued success. His philosophy of placing human connection above analytics through a heartfelt campaign of thank you cards spread to features on ABC News and Good Morning America. Now as the founder of Mr. Thank You, he consults and coaches on the art of customer experience and sales cultures to corporate giants like Square and Remax. Today, he is here to share how focusing on the people behind the business, understanding their values, goals, and pains can build a business that not only succeeds, but is genuinely loved by those it serves. It's not about transactional relationships. It's about creating a culture of connection that makes your brand irreplaceable. Join us as we dive into how you can create lasting retention and loyalty by rehumanizing your workplace. Join me in welcoming John Israel. Awesome. Thank you so much. I uh, receive the virtual applause that's occurring right now. (laughs) <laughs> thank you for joining us here today. We are all so excited. Awesome. Well, well, thanks for thanks for having me. Uh, and, and thanks to everybody who's here in attendance. I know I had a, some friends reaching out uh, who are going to be here today. And, and some of you we've met in person, we met at events. So appreciate you being here today. Because the reality is, you don't need to be on this call today. You don't, you're, no one's getting paid extra money. No one's getting CE credit. You're here because you see value for yourself. And so that's that's why we're here today. So, you know, it's, I just kind of give you a little bit of background and who I am and what I do. So, um, so my name is John Israel. I run, uh, my nickname is Mr. Thank You. And the reason I got that name is because I actually run a strategic gifting company uh, of the same name called Mr. Thank You. Um, so, it's it's a job. I work with real estate companies, mortgage companies. Uh, we help them set up gifting strategy of how to love on and appreciate their most important relationships. Um, so I'm like a professional Santa Claus. Like this is a real job. People pay me to give away presents uh, on their behalf. And, and it's funny because, you know, in, invariably, uh, I, people say, how did you get into that? How did you get into the world of professional Gifting. And it's funny because I think it's it's actually very relevant to how most people got into mortgage, which is by accident. Um, you know, I think most of us, I don't know if I could see everybody, I'd, I'd say like, hey, raise your hand if you went to college specifically for what you're doing today. We probably wouldn't have very many hands being raised. And, and it's what's funny is because what I love about this audience is that you chose to be here. Like you chose mortgage because in some way, shape or form, you saw an opportunity for yourself to have more freedom, to have uh, more control over your financial earnings. Um, and, and and that's what I love about this audience is because you chose your seat on the bus. Um, and, and with that, the question really becomes, so why do we do anything that we do? Why do we work so hard? And, and at the end of the day, I think it's because we think it's going to help us feel happy and fulfilled. And, you know, the interesting thing about that, if you've been in business long enough, you know that there are good times and there are bad times, right? There are good times and there are bad times. And there's also two types of good times and bad times. There's externally good and bad times, and there's also internally good and bad times. And and you can actually have both at the same time, meaning, you know, you can actually have externally bad times, but be feeling really good internally. 
right? You think of like the first time maybe you jump into the business or, you know, someone who's starting a tech company, it can be externally really difficult in the market and challenging, but you're excited, you're engaged, and you're, you're trying to create the results with what you've got. We can also have the opposite, which is true, which is that externally things are going great, but internally we're really struggling. Right. Some of you guys have seen this or maybe personally experienced this, right? In the 2000, 2020, 2021, you know, business was falling out of the sky. Um, and, and some of us, it became so overwhelming that we were stressed managing all this business that was coming in. But then there's a, a third part here, which is when there is having an externally bad time as well as an internally bad time. And uh, many of us can relate to that, especially this, this last year. And, and me, especially because you know, kind of how my story connects with everybody here in the audience is 2016, um, I moved my company. So we are originally based in Southern California. I grew up in San Diego and uh, I moved our business out to Dallas, Texas. Um, my wife was pregnant with, uh, with our second child. Um, I definitely don't recommend moving across the country with an eight-month-old pregnant uh, wife, uh, but uh, that's what we chose to do. And, and I, I relate this to what we were just talking about because when I moved here, um, it was really stressful and chaotic, right? We had we were having a brand new baby. Um, we didn't even have furniture in the house yet. We literally had pillow cushions on the floor. That's what we sat on as a as a sofa. And in moving to a new market, I had no clients here, so we were literally building everything from scratch. And I'll never forget this this visual where I came home one day, and my wife is sitting there, nursing our infant son in one arm. And she's handwriting thank you cards in another hand to the people who had supported her during her pregnancy. And I did what I normally do at the end of my workday, which is I came in to complain about my day. <laughs> so I'm telling her everything that's not going right, everything that's wrong in the business, in the market, all everything like that. And you could tell she had had it, right? She had heard enough of it. And I'll never forget what she says because she stops what she's doing and she looks at me and she says this. She says, John, if you can't appreciate what you have now, who's to say you'll be any happier when you finally get what you say you want? If you can't appreciate what you have now, who's to say you'll be any happier when you finally get what you say you want, when the market changes the way you want, when you build the team that you say you want, when you get the realtor relationships that you say you want. If you can't appreciate what you have now, who's to say it's gonna be any different? And she was right. I had a problem. It was a problem. I didn't, I didn't have a name for it back then, um, but I do now. And the problem is called perpetual discontentment. Perpetual discontentment, which is the never-ending feeling that what is isn't enough. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you personally suffer from perpetual discontentment because I find most business people I meet do. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because if we're never fully satisfied with what we get and what we have, what are we going to do? We're going to try and make it better. We're going to improve our systems and our processes, and we're going to try to uh, make our business better. And we do. But if we can't allow ourselves to ever fully appreciate what we have now, truly, who's to say it's going to be any different later? And so I, I knew something needed to change. So, you know, at that time I was in my early 30s. And so I, I found a business coach who would work with me. And the, the first thing that he had us had me work on is uh, my personal mission statement, my personal mission statement. And, and this is something that I recommend everybody doing. You probably have a corporate mission statement and why your company exists, or if you're a private entity, maybe it's your own corporate mission statement. But I think we all need a personal mission statement. And so being that our business was all about gratitude, my mission statement became who we are at Mr. Thank You is all about elevating the level of gratitude on the planet. And I remember writing that down and feeling so good about it. I was like, that, that's it. That's why we exist. That's why I'm here. But my coach shared with me a quote, uh, and it's one of those quotes that when you hear it, you don't get to unhear it. Uh, but it's by Ralph Waldo Emerson. And what he said is, excuse me, I cannot hear what you are saying because who you are speaks so loudly. 
And what I, I love and simultaneously don't love about that quote is that it challenges us to be consistent with our word. It challenges us to not just say, hey, this is what I care about. These are my values, but to literally prove it in our behavior every day. And the problem is if you if you talk to 100 people who knew John Israel at that time and said, what do you know about this guy? Like they'd probably say some nice things like driven or successful, but you know what they wouldn't say? They wouldn't say grateful. They wouldn't say appreciative. And they certainly would not say happy to describe me. So that, how can that be? How can I be this guy who says he's about elevating gratitude on the planet, but yet I don't embody it in my life at all? So that, I, I, that needs to change. So the second thing that we worked on was habit formation. And, and my coach had me read this book called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And, and this is a really fascinating book. And the concept that really stuck out for me was what's called a keystone habit. Now, a keystone habit is a singular habit that you have that has a trickle-down positive effect in multiple areas of life. And the example uh, that Charles gives in the book uh, is that of working out, right? Which makes sense for most of us here, right? Because if you've ever worked out, you know, that's going to make you look better. You're going to feel better. Well, secondly, because you're working out, you're going to sweat profusely. <laughs> so you're going to drink a lot more water, which turns out water, pretty good habit. Drink a lot of that. Third is because you're working out, your body's more fatigued. So you're actually going to sleep better at night. So there's all these positive trickle down benefits from this one singular habit called working out. And so my coach looks at me and he says, so John, this is really simple. What's a moment that you remember seeing or experiencing profound gratitude? And how do we make that a habit? And, and what's, what's crazy, guys, is when I think about that, what actually stands out for me is, is that moment when I came home and I saw my wife, who had just given birth to her second child, handwriting all these thank you cards to people who had supported her during her pregnancy. Because I remember that while this was an overly stressful time, typically, right, moving, having a baby, she was the most peaceful and carefree that I'd ever seen her. And, and the only thing I could relate it to is she was doing this gratitude project. So that, well, what if that's what I do? What if I make just some crazy commitment uh, around gratitude and, and handwritten thank you cards every day for a year? What if we do that? And that became the genesis of what is now known as the Mr. Thank You Project. So there were four rules to the Mr. Thank You Project. Number one rule uh, was that ev that I would make a commitment to handwrite five thank you cards every single day for 365 consecutive days. Had to be handwritten, couldn't be a text, couldn't be a video, had to be handwritten. Rule number two was every day resets at zero. Okay, so this means I can't uh, <laughs> skip three days and then write 20 cards in a day. Right? Because if something's a true habit, you literally do it day in and day out, no matter what. Uh, third rule is I could write a max of three cards for any one person. Now, this is important because I know myself. And if I couldn't think of somebody to write a card to, I might write the 75th thank you card to my mother, which who knows, maybe she would have appreciated that. But I also thought, you know, if I was doing that, they would lose their impact and their, their value. So I wanted to make it different. Now, the fourth rule is kind of an interesting one. So it was around accountability. So my coach asked me, he says, John, I love this idea, but where's the accountability? What happens if or when you miss a day? And so I thought I thought I had a good answer. And I said, okay, so for every day that I miss writing my cards, I'll donate $100 to charity. Felt pretty good, right? He looks at me and says, add a zero. And I said, excuse me? You want me to donate $1,000 every day that I don't write five thank you cards? Like, that's crazy. If that's it, think about it. If that was you, like, if that seems unreasonable, like, drop a comment in the chat box. A thousand bucks every time you miss five thank you cards, that's crazy. But he says, John, check this out. I don't want you to have to donate any money, but let me ask you this. How likely is it that if you're going to be donating $100 that you donate that to charities already anyways. And I said, well, yeah, we kind of do that with our, our tithing donations to our church. And he says, okay, well, then you're giving yourself a way out. If what's at stake every day is $1,000, how many days are you going to miss? I mean, what would you say <laughs> if that was you? I mean, of course, the answer is none. There's no way I'm going to miss a day. 
And so my coach says, okay, well then what would you like to do? So the fourth and final rule of the Mr. Thank You Project was $1,000 to charity for any and every day uh, that I missed writing my five thank you cards. Now, when you do the math on this, five cards times 365 days is 1,825 letters of appreciation in one year's time. Now, you don't need to know everything that happened to realize that if you made a commitment like that to express love, gratitude, and appreciation to different people every single day, multiple times a day, you would be a different person by the end of that year. And that's exactly what happened. And you know, I obviously I don't have time to share with you everything that occurred from that year-long journey, um, but I do want to pull out some very particular instances that are relevant to your business, right? You know, everyone who's watching this, you're most likely mortgage loan officer or you are in the mortgage industry. And, and here's what I want you to understand. The the message I'm going to share with you right now, it's, it's not, uh, the end result here is I'm not just going to say, you should write more thank you cards. Because, I mean, in the chat box, if you already write thank you cards in your business, just let me know. Drop a comment, you know, hey, how many cards you try to write per week? I'd love to hear, like, who, who already does this in their life and their business? So, because I, I want you to understand that the intention for this conversation is to share with you an idea, which is that the person who has the ability to access gratitude, regardless of their circumstances, is the most powerful person in the room. The individual who has the ability to access and experience gratitude regardless of what happens with their deals, in their family, in their personal lives, that person is the most powerful person in the room. And I'm going to show you how this project became this catalyst and this tool to completely alter how I ran my business, how I related to people, and ultimately grew our bottom line by the end of the year. So the first story I want to share with you um, is about day three of the project. So day three, I was actually in Los Angeles and I was boarding a flight from Los Angeles to Philadelphia for an event. And when I, I get to the airport, um, uh, it's LAX, right? So if anyone's ever been to LAX, it is uh, not, uh, you don't go to your for you know, to LAX for your honeymoon, right? This is like one of the worst airports on the planet. And I get there and I'm late, right? So then how am I feeling? I'm feeling that stress because I've got a connection flight. If I miss this one and I miss that one, oh my gosh. And then I get to my gate and then I notice that our flight's delayed, which you would think would make me feel better. But what if that's too late for my connection? So I'm feeling all this stress, all these emotions. Isn't this just everyday life, by the way? Right? It's like you're going around, you see, you set a plan of what you're going to do, you set your goals for 2024, and then life happens. That deal you thought was going to fund and go through doesn't for some reason, right? Or that realtor who's been sending you deals suddenly stops doing that. Any number of things can happen in our personal lives, but how do you deal with it? And the thing that's easy to know is that it's easy to complain. It's so easy because it's the most natural thing built into our DNA. Uh, we're actually born with this thing called a negative bias. A negative bias is this proneness to look for what's wrong before we look for what's right. And this is this is from our cavemen and cavewomen days when we would be out in the jungle and we'd hear a growl behind a rock. You don't think like, oh, that's a cute little kitty cat. Let me go pet it. You think saber-toothed tiger and you run away, right? And you live to see another day. So this proneness to look for what's wrong, look for the threats has helped us survive. However, here we are in modern day America, and we're not really worried about saber-toothed tigers anymore, but yet we have this heightened level of stress and anxiety, arguably higher than any generation uh, in the last 100 years. And why is that? Because we're being prone to look for what's wrong. The media feeds on that. So what if we practiced the opposite? You know, that was the interesting thing with this project is, is being forced to look for five different people to appreciate every day. You got, you got to start finding them, right? And so I'm at the airport and I get to my gate and who do I see but the pilots of my plane sitting at a restaurant? And I think, oh my gosh, that's who I need to thank today. I mean, I, I fly all the time and every time during takeoff, I do a little you know, prayer for safe travel. and. To this day, they've delivered 100% of the time. And I thought, you know what, I, I need to appreciate these guys today. But I very quickly realized that I have a problem, which is I don't know these guys. We've never met. 
how do you thank somebody you don't even know you've never spent any time with? And what's so what was fascinating about this, this year-long project is learning where language comes from. Okay, so the word appreciate, every one of you loan officers is going to love the word appreciation when you learn where it comes from. So the word appreciation comes from the Latin word appretiare, which literally translates to to appraise or to set the value of a thing. So that makes a lot of sense because if you're a loan officer, what do you need to have in hand before you can fund the loan on a property? You need to have an appraisal, right? Now, some would argue a good appraisal, but good luck with that. But what is that? What, what is an actual appraisal? It's where a, a person uh, comes to a property and they've got a huge list of questions. And they're asking things like, what's the condition of the roof? Uh, how is the foundation? Is there any pest or termite damage? What are comps for other properties like this going for in the area? And they ask all these questions and then they come back and they hand you a sheet of paper or they email you a document that says, I deem this property to be worth X dollars. So the question becomes, how do you apply this principle to another human being? And what I learned at the airport that day is it's really simple. You just become curious. And you ask yourself questions like, what is this person's life like? What do they really care about? What actually matters to them? What are their biggest goals and dreams? And what, what keeps this person up late at night? And what's interesting is when you start to ask those questions of people, you start to build an appreciation for them. And so I walk up to these pilots who are sitting at this restaurant. And I just ask, I say, hey, do you mind if I sit with you? And they said, yeah, go for it. Have a seat. And so I just start peppering these guys with questions. And one of the first things I ask is, hey, so how did you get into this? Like, how did, how did you get into being a pilot? I think that's, by the way, a very simple way of building rapport is, is just connect with somebody's story. Like, how did you get here? And what's fascinating, contrary to loan officers or real estate or <laughs> gifting business owners, um, you don't become a pilot by accident, right? It's not like working at Chipotle where you're like doing bowls one day and then three weeks later, you're running the store, right? It's not like you start a baggage claim one month and then a couple months later, you're flying the planes. Like you needed to want to do this for a long time. They spent hours, years preparing and training. Some of them were telling me that it was their life's dream since they were a little kid to be a pilot. And I thought, wow, that's pretty neat. Second question is, what do you love about your job? What are you excited about with what you do? Right. If I was working with a buyer, I might ask him, like, so tell me about this move you're thinking about. What are you looking forward to? Why is this so important to you? And you get connected with people's purpose, their meaning, their why behind everything that they do. And I started to hear these really interesting things like, you know, getting to travel all over the world whenever they want, getting to take their family with them. One of the guys said, you know, people talk about, you know, having the, the world's having a corner office in the top of a really big building in New York. But I got to tell you, nobody can be at a corner office with a window view from 30,000 feet. And I thought, that's cool. I like that. Third question. What's the hardest part about being you? What's the most difficult thing that a pilot deals with? That question changed the energy. And it was interesting because you could see they were getting introspective. And they both started talking about the same things, which is all the stuff they miss back at home. Birthdays, anniversaries, special events. And then one of the pilots gets really excited. And he says, oh, no, not this year, though. This is the first time in 12 years that I get to be home for Christmas Day. And my heart broke for this guy. I thought. The first time in 12 years? I'm just curious if you're listening to this dialogue, like how many of you have a greater appreciation for the pilots on your plane just hearing the answer to those three questions? And I almost wonder how many people are right in front of us every day that we might have a deeper and greater appreciation for if we took the time to ask those questions. So. We board the plane because it's time to take off and they get on before me and I get to my seat. 
We take off, my tray table comes down. I pull out my thank you cards. And this is what I write to those pilots. And I said, um, dear pilot, I'm sure it's strange to receive a thank you card from a passenger. Uh, but as I was boarding the plane today, I was thinking about how much I'm gonna miss my family on this trip. Uh, and then I realized this is what you do every day for your job. I can't imagine how many birthdays, anniversaries, or special events you've sacrificed for your work. Not to mention the hundreds, if not thousands of hours you spent in your cockpit training for your job because nobody becomes a pilot by accident. All of that to have some bad weather, a slightly bumpy landing, and then have people complain about it. So whether you hear it enough or not, I just want to say thank you on behalf of myself and everybody on our flight. Hold the card up. I write two very similar cards to two different pilots on the flight. We land the next destination. They're actually still in the cockpit. So I physically hand them their cards uh, and then jump on the next flight to do the exact same thing. So two pilots on the next flight. So I write four different cards to four different pilots on two, two flights. Now, I don't normally do this, but he, here's what happened. Um, I had my personal business stationery with me, which has my name, cell phone number, and email physically printed on the card. This is what was nuts. Within 24 hours of landing in Philadelphia, Three out of those four pilots personally contacted me to say thank you for the card that they received. One went on to say, you know, John, in my 20 years of flying, I have never received a thank you card from a passenger. And I thought, that's crazy. How is that even possible? These guys with such a big, significant, important job and no one's even taking the time just to say thank you to them. And I thought, geez, if that's the case for these guys with such a big, important job, what about everybody else in their careers, in their relationships, in their marriages? This is a huge appreciation deficit in the world. And so when I think back on that experience, I think like, what do you do with this? How do you actually apply this to our lives and our business? And I think it's really simple. It all begins with curiosity. Curiosity is the precursor to appreciation. And appreciation is the birthplace of empathy. With empathy, we develop compassion. And when we have compassion, we have the ability to literally connect with anyone. You know, when you think about a, a Mother Teresa or Martin Luther King, like what did they have more than most everybody else on the planet is they have compassion, not because of what they could get from people, but because they just love people because that's the right thing to do. And I think this is an important thing to, to bring up because the higher we get in production, the more disconnected from this we get, especially the more times we've dealt with realtors or clients that are two-faced and they don't follow through on their promises and they say certain things. Like it's easy to get desensitized to the human connection, but unfortunately, there's an impact on the good relationships that we could keep. Now, what I'm here to tell you is like, you don't need to keep every business relationship. Like make, let's make that really clear. We don't want to work with everybody a second time. But there are some good ones and there are some really valuable relationships. And I am a firm believer that we are all one relationship away from transforming our life and our business. And that could be the relationship with a, a business partner, a top client who opens the door to their entire company for you to work with, uh, or it could be just an individual personal relationship or a coach. Our lives can be changed drastically from a single relationship. So that was day three. Um, you can imagine um, 362 <laughs> more days uh, of a project like this. And I, I definitely can't proclaim that every day was as epic and prolific um, as, as day three, but it was a really interesting year. And one thing that I think would be you know, relevant to talk about here is, is um, you know, the, the impact of gratitude during challenging times. Right. Uh, because one of the, the funny things is people hear about this project and they're like, oh, man, this must have been amazing. You're probably like feeling like super grateful all the time every day. Right. <laughs> of course, I have to tell them, no, like this was like any other year of life. I mean, you still have traffic, you still have cancellations, you have things that don't go your way. So the question is, how do you deal with it? So this concept came about that I write about in the book. Uh, called emotional resilience. And emotional resilience is really how do we metabolize uh, negative emotions into positive progress, right? And, and the example that I'm going to share with you, it's kind of a funny story when I think about it. But so just, you know, a little bit about me. I'm a graduate of a small school 
in Washington State called Gonzaga University, right? So Gonzaga, uh, any Gonzaga fans out there, by the way? So drop a comment if you're a Zag fan. So I graduated from Gonzaga University. So 2017, during this project, um, I my team makes it to the NCAA National Championship. This is the biggest thing um, in our school's history. And we play the UNC Tar Heels. And with 90 seconds left, we lose the game. And, you know, I'm not a huge sports guy. And I always thought it was interesting when you see like at the end of a Super Bowl, right? And you see the losing team, like they show the videos of their downtown and people are flipping over cars and lighting trash cans on fire. And I never understood it until that day uh, because <laughs> I was... I was deeply affected by the loss of my team. Again, biggest game of our school's history and we lose. So it's nine o'clock at night and my wife puts the kids to bed and here I am by myself at my desk, five thank you cards laid out. And guys, I couldn't do it. I couldn't harness an ounce of gratitude in that moment. I was pissed, I was upset. And, and such such is life. You cannot be depressed and upset and grateful at the same time. And And... This is a great place to insert a new definition, right? So one of the uh, the interesting things about this project is just learning where different words come from. So the word gratitude is best defined by Robert Emmons, Dr. Robert Emmons of UC Davis. He's a foremost researcher on gratitude and its positive impact in people's lives and their businesses. So this is his definition. Gratitude is the emotion one feels when receiving a gift or experiencing something as a gift. The emotion one feels when you receive a gift or experience something as a gift. So what does that mean? Well, that means when you think back to, let me just take you to a moment maybe that was challenging for you, right? Maybe think of that first relationship you were ever in that ended badly. <laughs> whatever age you were, 14, 17, whatever it was. How did you feel right afterwards? If I came up and said, hey, where's the gift? Where's the good? What can you be grateful for in this moment? You'd flip me the bird. You'd be like, bro, there's nothing to be grateful for. Women suck. Men suck. Whatever your, your preference is there. You, you'd be pretty upset. But here's the interesting thing. With time and perspective, we can look back on those previously painful experiences and we can say, I'm actually glad that happened. I'm really glad that relationship ended because I learned all these things that I needed to learn. I'm really glad, glad that relationship ended because I actually met someone that I was meant to be with, that I had my family with. And I'm so grateful that that ended so this could start over here. So with time and perspective, we can look on previously painful experiences and feel gratitude. So the real question becomes, how long does it take somebody to feel gratitude from a painful experience? And the answer is, as long as it takes you to find the gift. As long as it takes you to find the gift, to find the good. Some of you went through the worst financial time of your life in the last year or two. It might be hard to feel gratitude while you're having to hustle Uber on the side to pay your mortgage or do whatever you need to, to make ends meet. And you might look and say, that shouldn't have happened. That was a bad thing. But what if it wasn't? What if it was exactly what you needed to learn, what you needed to learn to become the person who is actually the best version of yourself? And, and some of you, what's gonna really support your trajectory in 2024 is your ability to look at this previous year and find the gift in the experience. So back up to this story. So uh, it's nine o'clock at night and I'm trying to rack my brain. I'm like, where's the gift? Where's the good? What something positive that came out of this? And it was like a light bulb went off, guys. It was crazy. I was like, oh my gosh, like I didn't watch my team lose the NCAA national championship. I just watched arguably the best team in my school's history. Like this deserves celebration. So 
I decided I'm going to write a handwritten card to every single player of the Gonzaga men's basketball team and the entire coaching staff. And for the, it's about 35 people. So for the next week, I am scouring NCAA.com and learning about people's very specific attributes that made them a key player and what games where they were the top score and different things that, that they all personally contributed to the excellence of the best team in our school's history. So every letter was personal, even to the red shirts who didn't even play. I said, thank you for helping our team become its best because no championship team is made in the championship game. It's made in every practice that led up to it. So thank you for doing your best to make our team its best. It, it, here's the crazy thing, guys. Like, it didn't take months. It didn't take weeks or days. It took literally minutes to go from depressed, pissed off, annoyed to an authentic joy witnessing this team play in the national championship. And what's crazy is I, I thought about this. I'm like, well, what, can, what else can we do with that? Like, how, how can I bring this into my business? Dude, guys, check this out. We implemented a strategy. So every business, every company has what's called an attrition ratio. Attrition is how many clients that you start working with that eventually drop out, right? Could be number of contracts that you get signed to loans that fund. Some deals just don't come to fruition. That's your attrition ratio. So we had an attrition ratio of clients that we would start doing gifts for that would stop for whatever reason before we got started. And so here's what we did. We implemented a strategy where every client, the moment they would cancel their order, uh, we would automatically send them a thank you card just saying, hey, thank you so much for the opportunity to work with you. We know that right now is not the time uh, to work together. And we just want to let you know that we're really grateful for the opportunity to even have a shot at it. And if anything ever changes in the future, here's our, here's our direct line. Reach out to us and we'd love to work with you again. Guys, check this out. Over a, a span of time, over that year, we found 50% of the clients who left came back within six months if they got a thank you card. 50% of canceled transactions came back within six months because we sent them a handwritten card. But think about it from the other person's perspective. Have you ever had to cancel something? Have you ever been in a position where something just didn't work out? Maybe you overspent what you shouldn't have. So you had to return some things to the store. How do you feel when you have to return something or cancel a deal? Do you feel good? No, you, you feel like shame and embarrassment. Like, oh my gosh, they probably hate me. They never want to see me or talk to me again. So how many of you, I want to hear it in the chat box. I'm actually curious. How many of you have gotten a thank you card after you canceled a deal or a transaction or returned a product? Interesting. Not many. I don't think I've seen any uh, affirmatives here. Oh, I see one. Great. Yeah. For the most part, though, you haven't. But think if you did, how would that make you feel just in this moment of feeling embarrassed, shameful, whatever? They probably hate me. And then you get this card that just authentically says, hey, we know it didn't work out and no big deal. We're not upset. We appreciate you giving us a shot. If it changes, let us know. We'd love to work with you. Think about how you would view that company, that individual differently because they did that. Here's an interesting thing. Results show skill, but how we handle problems shows character. Results show skill, how we sh handle problems shows character, right? Anybody can close a loan. Well, I shouldn't say anybody, but you guys get the idea. You can close a loan. A lot of people can do that. How you handle a problem is going to show a lot more about who you are. And when we are in a position where we made a mistake or for whatever reason had to pull out and we see someone respond that way, we feel compelled to go back to that person because they extended an olive branch when they didn't have to. And that shows a lot about who they are. And it shows us a lot that we can trust them. So just think about that. Where might you be able to input something like this in your processes and systems? Because I can tell you there's a huge impact. Now, let me finish this story by sharing with you what happened. So, so two months go by, and I, I completely forget I even do this, by the way, because it's like Groundhog Day, new thank you cards every single day, just <laughs> kind of like hammering them through every day. And guys, check this out. Two months later, May 21st, my birthday of all days, I get uh, a letter in the mail. I'm out to dinner with my wife. She says, oh, this letter showed up for you. She hands me this letter. And it's addressed from Gonzaga Men's Basketball. And it turns out, that it is a handwritten card from Mark Few, the head coach of Gonzaga men's basketball. 
thanking me for the letters that I wrote the team, thanking me for being an alumni and thanking me for showing up for the team with hope during a very challenging time. Now, guys, this, this, this dude is like one of the highest paid professional, like NCAA basketball coaches in the country, millions of dollars. And of everything he could do with his time, he chose to write me, a fan, a thank you card. I couldn't have paid him to do that, but he did. And this is a really important lesson for those of you who are high-level leaders who sometimes maybe you feel a little above this whole handwritten card thing or personalized uh, appreciation. Because here's the deal. People know how busy your time is, how busy you are, and how much your time is worth. So if you're in a high-level leadership position and you take the time to send somebody a handwritten card, it goes so far with them because they know what your time is worth. And yes, this is an investment of time, money, and energy, but I'm here to tell you that there is a competitive advantage to being a grateful person who deals hope to people during a challenging time. So you're starting to see that clearly this whole project is about a lot more things than just <laughs> writing a lot of thank you cards to a lot of people. And the last story I'll share with you, which is kind of an interesting one, um, is so a, a few months go by in the project and it's uh, it's about six months in. I actually just cleared the 1,000 card marks. It's kind of a big deal. And I want to celebrate by doing like an epic, big gratitude experience. So I was boarding a plane uh, from the East Coast to the West Coast. Of all things, by the way, I was flying out to Mastermind Summit in Las Vegas. For any of you guys who are Mastermind Summit fans, I was flying out there. We had a booth at the at, from our gifting company. And here, here was the interesting thing. I was on the plane and I thought, man, I wonder if we could do this with an entire plane full of people. And so I boarded the plane and I got five thank you cards out and I wrote a simple note of appreciation to everybody, each of the pilots and flight attendants, very short. And I put all those inside of a folder and I put a sticky note on the front of the folder that said, dear passenger, you're invited to participate in something called the Mr. Thank You Project, where we send love gratitude and appreciation of people who are undervalued in what they do. Inside of this folder are thank you cards for the pilots and flight attendants of this flight. We invite you to write a note of appreciation or simply sign the cards. If you don't want to participate, that's fine. Just pass them to the person next to you and whoever gets these in the last seat in the last row, return them to the woman in the red dress in seat 32C. Uh, that was actually my neighbor. Uh, she didn't know I put that. Um, but <laughs> that was actually really important because I didn't want to take any credit for this. I wanted this to be a complete anonymous give to the planet. So I'm in the middle of this plane. We take off. I walk to the front of the plane uh, and there's these two elderly women in the front. I'll never forget because this must have looked crazy to other people. But they were a little hard of hearing and there was a plane engine behind them. So I was like yelling the instructions at them. I'm like, inside here are thank you cards. Fill them out and pass them down. <laughs> one of the ladies just took the folder and said okay sweetheart and I go back to my seat have any of you ever made like a really big decision with your life and then immediately regretted it because <laughs> that's basically what happened because as soon as I do this I start thinking you know what you've done some cool stuff with gratitude John but you might have crossed a line like you're asking complete strangers to say thank you to complete strangers. Someone might not be happy with this. And they might just ring their call bell and say, who did this? I'm not signing anything. And then they go to the woman in the red dress and they're like, excuse me, is this yours? And she's like, wasn't me. Must have been him. And then they're like, sir, why are you lying? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I was trying to help people say thank you to other people. And then we land and TSA is here to arrest me. I'm never able to fly ever again. That's all I can think about the entire flight. And then to make it worse, 30 minutes go by on the six hour flight and I don't see any cards being passed around. And I was like, ah, maybe we blew it. Five minutes later, I see them go over somebody's shoulder in the third row. And I was like, okay, this is actually working. This is great. So the flight keeps going on. We're about halfway through and the cards actually land on my tray table. And I open the folder and I look inside. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like signatures and notes. We're gonna run out of room. We got a whole half this plane left. So I throw some sticky notes inside. I said, if you run out of room, right on these. <laughs> and then I kept them going. We're getting really close to landing. 
And I go to the back of the plane just to check. And I see they're in the second to last row. And I think, oh my gosh, we're going to pull this off. This is epic. And I go back to my seat. Immediately, the pilot calls for landing. Nobody can get up. I'm like, all right, I'll just wait till we land. And then I'll pick up the cards from whoever's in the last seat. So we land in Las Vegas. Everyone's getting off the plane. Woman in the red dress has no idea why she had the greatest flight of her life. And everyone was so nice to her. But that's okay. I'm sitting here waiting, like, who's got these cards? And the flight's almost empty, and no one hands me the cards. And I'm a little concerned until I hear the pilot get on the intercom and say, excuse me, passengers, if you're coming with us to Oakland, please stay in your seats while we clean the plane. And I was like, okay, some people are still in their seats. There's a gentleman in the last row. Let me go talk to him. So I go to the back of the plane, and there's a gentleman. And I say, excuse me, sir, uh, did you get the brown folder with all the thank you cards. And the old man says, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I already gave that to the flight attendant. And I was like, ah, I was kind of hoping to do that. Okay. So I go to the flight attendant. And I say, excuse me, did you get the brown folder from the guy in the last seat in the last row? And the flight attendant says, no. And I say, no, no. He said, at the end of the flight, when you were coming by, he handed it to you. And the flight attendant says, oh, that's right. When I was coming by to pick up the trash. Uh, he handed me a brown folder. So yeah, I threw, I threw it away. Why? Are you serious? Who threw it away? He starts to get freaked out. He's like, geez, what was inside of that thing? I said, that had hand-signed cards from everybody on this plane. And the flight attendant says, are you serious? And I'm like, where are they? He points to the trash truck at the bottom of the tarmac. And I said, we have to get those cards. So he sprints down the stairs taps the trash guy on the shoulder, he has to take off his headphones, explain what's going on. Trash guy gets off the truck. They are pulling off bags of garbage from who knows what plane, ripping them open, rifling through shoulder deep in other people's garbage. I'm at the top of the stairs and I'm thinking, this is not happening. This is not happening. And they're rifling through and he finds it, but it's soaking wet. Water, wine, Use your imagination. And he walks back up the stairs with like this gratitude coffin in his hands. And he hands it to me. And he's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm just holding this soaking wet folder. And I just say, that did not just happen. And I open the folder. And the cards are in perfect condition. Um, in fact, this is a picture uh, of those cards from that flight. Outside of seeing my children born, arguably one of the most beautiful things I'd seen in my life. Because it was a group of complete strangers saying thank you to complete strangers. And I snap this picture and I very quickly try to get off the plane because I'm I'm holding the whole thing up at this point. And so I'm handing out the cards. I'm like, this is for you. This is for you. I got to go. And what was crazy is I get down to the baggage claim. And while I'm there, someone taps me on the shoulder who's very tall and is looking down at me and says, excuse me, are you Mr. Thank you? <laughs> and I look around and I say, why? And, and he says, um, that is the coolest thing that I've ever done on a plane. And then he goes on to tell me that he was actually flying that day with his eight-year-old son. Um, and his son has been having a really hard time getting bullied at school. And they haven't found a way to talk about it. And when that folder landed on his tray table and he read what this was about, they got to have a conversation about friendship and about kindness and about how we treat people no matter what happens to us. And he says, that wasn't a conversation that was going to happen today. So I just want to say thank you for that. And I remember being actually at Mastermind for a few days, really discombobulated from this whole experience and just thinking like, what is the lesson? Like, what do you do with that? And I think this is it. The unscalable things we do is actually what allows us to scale.
the unscalable things we do is exactly what allows us to scale because you can't scale out handwriting and card. You can't scale out having a personal one-on-one conversation. You can't scale that. But here's what happens. When you do it, you make this connection with a person who is so bought into you and your mission and your vision that they can't shut up about you. And this is the crazy thing that happened. Shortly after this experience, I started getting reached out to by media outlets and news outlets. And suddenly this gets picked up on ABC News and Fox News and Good Morning America. And next thing you know, at the end of this project, um, I decided to write a book about it. And so then uh, the, the TED organization reaches out and said, hey, we heard about your story. We'd love to highlight it and give you a TED talk, which was like a bucket list thing to do. And it was like all these things started to explode. And now you know, I get to speak all over the country to real estate and mortgage audiences sharing this story about the competitive advantage of gratitude. And we have literally tens of thousands of people all over the country more intentionally expressing gratitude and doing client appreciation events, doing all these things. And I think about that happened because some dude who just ran a little old gifting company, decided he was going to be intentional with his gratitude. And and I think that for you, you know, I know sometimes it's easy to think, well, I'm just a loan officer. You know, I'm just a processor. I'm just this, I'm just that. But one of my favorite quotes from my friend, John Rulin is relationships will take you where marketing can't relationships will take you where marketing can't. So doesn't it make sense to make building them your number one priority in 2024? So, all right, I'm going to wrap there. Um, Here's my final thing, my final thing, and then let's do some Q&A here. I would love everybody to whip out your phone real quick, whip out your phone, and I want you to pull up somebody who's meaningful to you, somebody who like matters to you in your life, could be a, a you know a team member, could be a family member, could be something. I just want you to pull up their name in a text message and just for like one to two minutes, one to two minutes, we'll just be a little silent here. I just want you to write a thank you text. I'm, I'm not gonna make this, you gotta do a handwritten card. I want you to just do a text message right now, bust out your phones, take 60, 90, maybe two minutes if you need, and just write what you love and appreciate about this person and just send that out. And let's that be the last thing that we do here today as we wrap up and kind of go into Q&A. So we'll give you guys about a minute or two to do that. And then uh, I'll throw my contact info on the slide. So if you guys want to stay in touch and connect with me on social media everywhere, you can find me as uh, at the Mr. Thank you. Super easy to find me, but go ahead and do that text. And Megan, whenever you're ready. Ah, man. Oh, man. I love the comments in here. You were making me tear up and, you know, I'm glad I was not the only one. So thank you guys for putting your comments in there, making, you know, we weren't the only ones crying. So, wow. Thank you for your story. You know, it's truly heartfelt and you, you can tell that you are really coming from the heart when you speak. We, we all feel that and we all appreciate that. And this space especially needs more of that. So just thank you for showing up in the world the way that you do. Now, there were a lot of questions here when it comes to expressing gratitude specifically through thank you cards. So just going to list some questions here. Question number one, what do you suggest for people that have horrible handwriting? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right. So a couple of things. I'm going to give a shout out to a company where we're building a partnership with them. I'm a huge fan, uh, but they're called AM Cards, uh, amcards.com. Uh, my good friend, Curtis Lucy runs it. So they, they're they a company that um, they allow you to make a personalized thank you card, but they print it, right? So this is a really cool thing. If you're out doing like a realtor appointment or whatever, and you guys snap a selfie or a picture together, you can actually make that the cover of the thank you card and just have an overlay that says thank you. And then on the inside, you can actually type up a message personally, and then it'll print it. Um, so that kind of removes your hands from having to like make it, you know, look personal. Um, so that's one thing I, I recommend that those are, you know, not inexpensive. They're like about three bucks a card. That's one option. Uh, option two is don't worry about it. Um, so I had a, as a, as a funny example. So I, I did write a book about this. Uh, it's called the Mr. Thank you project. You can buy it on Amazon. 
Um, also makes a good gift. Anyways, um, so my friend read the book and he took a, uh, uh, he, he sent me a text and he's like, hey man, I, I love your book because you took pictures of your cards that you wrote. And I was really worried about my handwriting and then I saw yours. So I was like, I don't know where the compliment is, but he said, no, what I love is that you, they weren't perfect. Like you'd scribble words out if you mess up or your lines weren't perfectly even. And I just love that they weren't perfect, but they were genuine and real. And I think that's what matters. Like if I've only like once ever looked at someone's handwriting, I was like, wow, they don't have great handwriting, but I also didn't, but, but honestly, it was actually a friend. And I'm like, I don't care. I actually valued it more. Cause I'm like, mm -hmm. that he had to get over something to write that. And I, I respect that. So don't be too worried about it. Um, but if it's helpful and using some technology, go for it. Love that. Um, when it comes to your thank you cards, are they branded or are they not branded? Uh, well, um, let's see, branded or not. Uh, um, yes and no. So if it's anything business related, usually I will have it branded. I don't have it branded on the front. Okay. I have it branded on the back. Um, uh, what I have done at times, I vary it up a little bit. It's not like a perfect cookie cutter thing. The way I did make them, uh, I think I worked with a graphic designer. You can probably just do this on Canva today, but, um, I had, it said, thanks on the front. And then, uh, on the inside, it was just totally open and blank. And then at the bottom I had it put, uh, with gratitude and then space for my signature. And then I put, you know, my cell phone number, my email and my names, so they could read everything there. So that way it was printed on there, but it wasn't like, a Call me if you're ever ready to buy or sell real estate. You know, it was just simply branded with my contact info. I like that the best because um, it's personal um, and you can kind of order those in mass quantity. How do you feel about slipping a business card in? Yeah, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I mean, if you, uh, um, if it's like a, a very personal card, like uh, for those of you guys read the book, you'll see that there's some cards that you write that are personal, people in your past, your history, your relationships. Um, I wouldn't, it might not be appropriate in there, but if it's a, if it's a loose connection. So, I mean, you know, a lot of times I would, um, uh, if I write one to like the, uh, waiter or waitress after a meal, right. I, sometimes I'll do that because sometimes it's actually, um, I'll give you some interesting feedback here. Uh, one of the pieces with gratitude is it's actually very helpful for people to come to a closure with it, which is being able to say thank you to someone who appreciated them. So like, as an example, one thing that I learned to do is instead of giving the thank you cards at the end of the flight, I actually give it while we're still in the air. And so when they're coming around to get drinks, I usually hand them the card then. And I say, and I, now I write it to the entire plane, the, the entire um, staff. I just, I just say crew and I just write kind of the same message to everybody. And I said, dear crew. And then kind of similar with what you guys heard. And then I give it to them when they're picking up drink orders and y'all, it's crazy because they come back. I've gotten gifts on the plane. Like I've had people like give me a basket. They're like, that was the sweetest thing we've ever gotten on a flight. You're so amazing. We never hear thank you. And I mean, you get free drink coupons or just, just like the craziest thing is when they just come up to you and then just cry in the middle of the aisle and just say, this was a really hard last year for us, especially coming out of COVID. Like this was a really hard year for us. And we get more people yelling at us and we do appreciating us. I just want to say like, thank you. Like that really means a lot to the whole crew. So, um, and that, that photo that was in my slides, that's, that's from a pilot who wanted to take a picture with me after the card. He requested me to come up so that I got to meet him. So it, it's like, the thing to understand is like, this was never to do something or to get something back. It was just like, this is just who I am for the world. And if you're going to be known for anything, like why not be known for gratitude? Like that. That's a pretty, pretty good thing. I think that's amazing. Now, everyone, you will get the recording of this. It will also be posted on the MBS highway YouTube channel, but before we leave here, I'm going to be putting a link in the comments box to John's 30 day gratitude challenge. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I like what's to go do from here is, uh, is to just put something into play, right? So the simplest thing is do a 30 day challenge. If you go to mrthankyou.com, like the first thing on there is like, you know, jot your email in here. We'll email you a PDF for a 30 day challenge. So that's a great place to start. You don't have to do what I did. Like partially the reason I did it at such an extreme level wasn't so people did it. It's so that people could look at that and be like, that's crazy. I'm not going to do that, but I'll do one a day. I'll do one a day for 30 days. And that's all I'm looking for is do it once a day, 30 day for 30 days. And, and also if you feel this message is valuable, 
right? And might be you know useful in your market. Like the number one thing we do now, Megan, this is crazy, is to do realtor value add events where we basically give this message. So like I was just sitting down earlier today with the Birdsong team, the number 24 team in the entire state of Texas, and a mortgage and title company brought me in to do this for them. And so, you know, if you're part of a group that loves to do events, feel free to reach out, just put something, you know, from our website. We'd love to chat with you about it. Um, because because the, the thing that we keep hearing <laughs> is like, like the world needs this right now. Like, like and Megan, I know you're super into social media and AI. This is just kind of an interesting thought in a world where we have more opportunity to be connected than we ever have, how many of you would agree that we're actually more disconnected than we've ever been? And, and why is that? And I think truly it's because of that, that first main quote that I shared. It's because we've stopped being curious. Mm-hmm. We've stopped being engaged in learning who people are, why they think the way they think, and just actually valuing and appreciating them versus like, noticing how they voted and thinking they're a terrible human being like that's insane um so uh i'm a humanist i'm a believer that everybody has good inside them um but it's our job to find it so be a good finder and just have a great week guys that's it well thank you so much for coming on and thank you for everyone that attended here today and uh with that have a great day everyone